now I'm kind of like, crap, you know, what is this going to do? Like I'm selling a digital picture. Like I give digital pictures away back, you know, back then I was literally like, if you're following me, here's my shared drive. I'm going to give you some pictures. And so now I'm selling it. And now people, you know, now we're at a thousand bucks and it's weird. So it just kept going up. Well, it eventually got up to like (laughs) $69,000. And then I told everyone that was talking to me, like, stop bidding on it. Welcome to Airdrop, the show that'll help you understand what NFTs are, how to use them, how they work, and all that good stuff. My name is Ramion, and I'm here with my buddy Phosphorus, and today we're talking to Tyler Faust. Tyler's a healthcare professional by day and an artist by night. What started off as simple doodles to help him pay attention in class now has turned into a full-fledged art career. Tyler's style is really cool. It's a like a single line drawing. So like the line just continues and zigzags around and never actually overlaps. And then it's just one big line that makes an image out of itself. It's kind of hard to explain, but if you see it, it all makes sense and is really impressive. Today, we're going to dive into how Tyler found this very unique art style. We're going to talk about the first time he sold his artwork as an NFT and how he thought it was a giant scam. And we're going to discuss the value of digital images versus physical pieces and how all of that changes with NFTs and and stuff like that. Yeah, and a whole lot more stuff. Lots of the success Tyler has found, he says, is because of the consistency he does to creating or, you know, in this case, the consistency in doodling and how having rules and constraints around his art and doodles can help kind of make him more creative and help kind of keep the whole thing together. So my question, Rauian, to you as an artist, what does it mean to have constraints put on you um, to help you create? I mean, constraints feels like an ugly word, but I I actually like it a lot. You know, having some kind of guidelines or, you know, a prompt or something like that is always helpful because – you have something to go off of, you know, sometimes people will think they're doing you a favor as an artist by saying like, Hey, just use your creative freedom and do whatever you want. And it's like, that's actually not helpful. That is actually less helpful than it would be if you were like, I kind of want this sort of thing. I want it to be about X, Y, Z or any kind of guideline helps like push you in a direction. And then your creative juices can like go with that. If it's just a completely blank canvas with no thought or idea or theme or whatever, it could be really hard to get that ball rolling. Right. Um, So yeah, I mean, that's how I feel about that. I'm a big fan. Yeah, that's good. One big constraint we have at the airdrop show is that we're kind of dependent on you, the listener, the member of the airdrop crew. Uh, if you help us rate and review this podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts or subscribe on YouTube, it will base, it will, it will really help other people find the podcast so we can bring more people into the crew. Also, another big thing that helps is if you share this episode with a friend. So together, we can all learn how to use NFTs and Web3 for our art, our creative careers, and our lives. Also, if you want to follow us on Twitter and say hi, that would be really cool. You can find us on Twitter at Airdrop Show. And yeah, with all that said, let's drop in. All right. Welcome in, everybody. Today we have Tyler Faust with us. Is that right? Did I say that right? You did. Sweet. All right. 
Tyler, if you could just explain for the people what an NFT is in the most simple language possible, any way you want to, that'd be great. I just love to hear what you have to say here. Okay, so when I explain what an NFT is, when as it relates to art, I just tell people it's a digital baseball card. Just like you would trade baseball cards, there's a limited number of cards of Nolan Ryan or whatever card. I'm from Texas, so obviously Nolan Ryan. Um, that's it. Except, I mean, NFTs allow digital scarcity, and that's it. I mean, that's that's the one big utility they have for art is now I can limit however many editions I want of whatever print, but in the digital world. And that's all there. That's all there is to it. I mean, we we overcomplicate it, but it's basically digital scarcity, like a baseball card. As an artist, what is the like the most inherent value in being able to make those scarce numbers? Because usually you could, you just make prints, right? And you have so many prints, you can always print new ones. Or an NFT, do you feel like there's a difference there, or how does that work? You know, it's weird. I actually. When I do physical prints, I do like a numbered series, but so far with NFTs, I've only, I only do one of ones. So okay. I don't really, so I, I never, you know, not that I won't do a series. I probably will eventually do like, you know, a hundred of this design, but um, I like, I like doing digital, you know, one of ones. And I think that's a really cool way to do it, but you can do it either way. I mean, it works just like the physical world. Yeah, I was just curious. And it is it is cool to see a lot of artists diving into the one of ones in the NFT world, Web3 world, whatever we're calling this. Um, sure. To to just experiment and figure things out. And it's been really cool to watch. Um, I, I saw in an interview you had once that you said that if you could create art for anybody, you'd want to create art for Tony Hawk. Yeah. Why Tony yeah. Hawk? Well, I want, you know, since I was a kid, I used to skateboard a lot. So every skateboard pretty much has art on the bottom of it. And so I always wanted to get art on a skateboard deck, you know? And so if you're going to go, if you're going to go big, go all the way. And so Tony Hawk would be the man. I mean, you know, like my idol as a kid. So I would totally collaborate with him. Not that I would just do a design for him, but I want him to, you know, I'd want to use his label and work with him. <laughs> that would be cool. But, all right, all right, Tony. If you're listening, this is this is your opportunity. This is just, your chance. This is your chance. Don't blow it. <laughs> hit up, yeah, hit, don't slide blow to his it. DMs, and just let him know. Yeah, I'll go to Rob Deerdick next. So. <laughs> Be careful, Tony. <laughs> all right, so your art is really unique um, because you do things in with one line. You just take one line of the pen, and you just you don't cross lines. It's just one fluid motion. Is that right? It's what it looks like. So it, it's not. It's not one fluid motion, but it, the drawings are composed of one line. So it's kind of like if you're working on a road. You know, it's one road, but you might you might send the workers home at night. You know, and they come <laughs> back, and it's still one road. Right. Um, I so I lift the pen out off the paper uh, a lot because I'm always trying to look, and I you know. The rule set I've given myself is compose an image of one line and don't intersect the line. The reason why I came up with that rule is because I was doing a different type of line art and this guy tried to put it on a disc golf disc. And for whatever the process is of applying art onto discs, 
for disc golf and dyeing it. He had to like put some kind of adhesive over it and then peel off the adhesive. And it was, he says it took him like 10 hours to do based off this one style I did. And so I was like, dang, dude, I want to make that simpler. So I decided, well, if I just did a drawing with one line, theoretically, he'd only have to like peel off maybe one or two pieces. So that's kind of where that took off was me trying to figure out how to do my actual, my original, original style, but in a one line version. And then that one kind of, that whole one line thing kind of took off more than I anticipated. So. Yes. Let's dive into that. It, Cause it did take off. How did this happen? How did you discover it? Cause I feel like you almost stumbled upon this. Oh yeah. A hundred percent stumbled upon it. I mean, I was, so I'm, I'm in grad school and uh, I just started grad school for healthcare administration. My background's in healthcare. And I learned that the lectures were going to be four-hour lectures three times a week. Woof. Yeah. I mean, it's hard for me to sit and listen to someone for four hours. So I, I started thinking, I've got to figure out a way that I can make this four hours useful because I know... I've got 20 minutes of attention span for whoever's going to give me like a lecture, right? How do I keep myself from getting on my phone? How do I just keep myself in the lecture and listening? And I decided the best thing I should do is probably just draw, but I can't draw something super complicated because I, I want to draw like mindlessly was my goal, mm-hmm. right? I decided I'm going to get a piece of paper out and I draw as many lines as I can in four hours on this one sheet of paper and I'm just going to like load this paper up with just repetitive lines and my teacher's going to love it. Cause he'll look, I'll look like I'm taking the most notes <laughs> and uh, you know, but I'll be able to engage too. Cause it wasn't, it was brainless activity. It was just like one line here. And then I draw a line on top of that line and I just kept doing it. Um, but it didn't take any brain power. It's just like idling on your brain. Right. So but it kept me off my phone. It kept me from doing anything else. So I was like, I had to be in the lecture and participate. So it was great. So I started doing that. And I realized, oh, wow, this is a really easy way to listen to a lecture. Yeah. Because I don't have to think about the art. I just gave myself like two or three rules to follow. And my brain's just following those rules on autopilot. And now I'm listening. I'm not on my phone. So I was like, this is great. I'm going to just do this during lecture. And uh, I would throw away the, the paper after class because it served its purpose. So I'd do the art, toss it. And then I don't remember what happened, but at some point, a classmate's like, dude, what are you doing with that, with your with your art? I'm like, my art or like my doodles? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, you know, so like at this point, they're like, well, that's a pretty cool doodle, I guess. And I'm like, well, I guess. Um, they're like, you should do something with it. So I posted it on Reddit. And um, I don't remember, it might have been like, I don't remember which subreddit I initially was posting on because I was already active on Reddit before then. But then I just, I posted it like on maybe a pictures or drawing subreddit. You know, I did that a few times and it got a lot of good positive remarks. You know, it was new to people. What year is this? <sighs> maybe 2019. Okay. So I wasn't taking it too serious. You know, it was just kind of like, yeah, now I'll just take a picture and then catalog it. And then maybe I'll throw it on an Instagram account just so I can have like an Instagram account of just random pictures. And, um, you know, each day of class, I would kind of change up my rules a little bit, try something different. But this guy messaged me 
and this is kind of this is like my earlier on moment where I was like, okay, I'm gonna really do this and take it serious. So this guy sends me this message on Reddit, and he's like, hey, I'm autistic and I don't like curvy lines. He's like, but I like the curvy lines that you're making. He said, so I've seen your post and I print them out and I color them. And I was like, okay. And he's like, so keep doing that. I'm like, I will. (laughs) Like, you know, it's just random. Yeah. And so he would like comment from time to time. He'd be like, hey, this is awesome. I printed it. And then so, you know, I don't know who he was and I probably should go back and go find him. He would print them out and, um, I guess color him. He never showed. He's never shared his, you know, the finished product with me. We gotta find him. But because he got all motivated about it, I got motivated. I was like, "This is cool." Well, from that point forward, some guy reached out and was like, "Hey, can I buy your art?" Well, this is a, technically the second time someone's bought art, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But that was like the first real, real time. You know, someone was seriously wanting to buy my art, and I'm like, "Yeah." Yeah, man, you want to, so you want to buy this? He's like, yeah. And I hadn't really figured out, like, how do I sell art? Like, how does this even work? So um, he's like, yeah, so what's your process? I'm like, yeah, so my process, (laughs) you know, I'm trying to figure out what my process was. I'm like, you know, just uh, send me your address and then uh, here's my Venmo um, and, you know, just pay that way. And I haven't even thought of a price. I'm thinking, like, I don't know what what should a doodle be like $10, you know? And then I'm like, well, what's shipping? Right. I didn't know what shipping would cost. So I'm like trying to figure out, should it be 10, maybe $15? And he's like, listen, if it's okay, he said, if you'll take 250 bucks, then um, I'll take that one. And then if you have some more, I can take a, a few more. And I was like, dude, that's a hundred percent a scam. Right. So I'm like, sure, dude. Sure. All right, here's my Venmo. I'll take 250. I guess that will be okay. So then, you know, I tell my wife and she's laughing at me. She's like, "Yeah, you're getting scammed." So, you know, it turns out the money hit and I was like, "Dude, that dude just paid 250 bucks for this drawing." And then what's worse is he's like, "And I also want this one, this one, this one." And he picked three more that of course I'd already thrown in the trash. Right. And I was like, "Shoot." That just cost me 750 bucks. <laughs> so I was just like, dang, man, that's awesome. But it sucks at the same time. So I, of course, I'm like, you know, well, those pieces aren't available. But uh, that's kind of how it all got kicked off. And literally from that day forward up until present day, I've not really been, there hasn't been a moment where I didn't have like an, a commission going on. And it's, wow. It's so weird because it was, you know, back then I'm like, well, I'm just going to ride this out for like a, a month or so and just see how far we go. And man, it's just still going strong. We're definitely at the point where it's the art side is really catching up to almost my professional wow. side, which is sucky because I've been in school forever. <laughs> right. So. <laughs> Like I did a lot of schooling to get here. I you know, went to nursing school, then I got my master's and it's just like, but yeah, it definitely wasn't what I planned, but it's a lot more fun to do art. That's good. So that's where I'm at right now. See, no one really knows how important those four hour lectures are for the creative person. <laughs> yeah. To see what they'll do. That's what happened. I, I don't, I mean, like seriously, but you know, I went to grad school and that's where I learned how to draw. So um, I love that. I don't know. It's, it's a really weird story, but like, I mean, I, I couldn't even, all the weird things that have 
kind of cascaded from all that is just it always makes me laugh at night because it's just so weird. It's still weird to me. But I don't think the weirdness is going to stop anytime soon. It's probably just going to continue with you. So you told me a story about the first time you were contacted about NFTs. Yeah. I know that's a weird story. Yeah. So earlier on when I was doing art and still in school, I had already signed a, a deal with this clothing company. Their website is called That Shirt Was Cash. It's a real random website. It's pretty cool. Though. It's like some really random clothes and, and we did some designs and then they're like, hey, we want to do like an NFT drop on Shopify and allow people to buy it with cash and, you know, kind of introduce people to NFTs. And at the time, I'm like, I didn't really know much about NFTs. And I was still like, okay, you know, that'd be fun. We get to the day and, you know, I created just a digital picture, which is kind of weird because I'd never really done that before. And so they helped me do that. And I just thought this is going nowhere, but it'll be fun. To see. It'd be fun to learn. I had no expectations, but they opened up the bid and I had some people, you know, on my Instagram, it's like, dude, I'm bidding. And then, you know, I'm like, oh, that's super cool. And, you know, it got to like two or 300 bucks. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. Cause this is just a digital image. And I don't have to ship anything. So I'm thinking that's awesome. And then it gets up to a thousand and I'm starting to have like some thoughts like, wow, okay. Cool. And then I get like a message from someone's like, hey, man, I'm bidding on your thing right now. This is so cool. And I'm like, all right, well, it's at, it's at like a thousand. Maybe just don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't understand. You know, so now I'm kind of like, crap, you know, what is this going to do? Like I'm selling a digital picture. Like I give digital pictures away back. You know, back then I was literally like, if you're following me, you know, here, here's my shared drive. I'm going to give you some pictures. And so now I'm selling it. And now people, you know, now we're at a thousand bucks and it's weird. So it just kept going up. Well, it eventually got up to like (laughs) $69,000 and you know, it was weird. So now I'm just like, it is a really weird set of emotions for me because I was excited at a thousand, but I was getting nervous. And then when we got to 2000, I'm just like, dude, this isn't, I don't know. I don't know. And then I told everyone that was talking to me, like, stop bidding on it. Like, this is weird. I don't, I don't trust it. Don't touch it. There's something weird going on. And, you know, I didn't know the other people that were bidding past 2000. Um, so I couldn't tell them to halt. And then when it got to 69,000, right. Of course, 69, <laughs> but what is that? Right? What so is that? 69,420 yeah. to be exact. So <laughs> I was just like, I don't know, man, that's really weird. So, as fate would have it, the the bidder that did that, like we didn't get the money put into an escrow. So that bidder didn't show up. We weren't able to transact that $69,000. So, but I was just kind of like, at this point, I was just like so freaked out. I'm like, I'm going to prison. You know, like there's no way that just happened. So I'm cool with that. But then they're like, well, we're going to go to, you know, the next bidder and the next bidder because they jumped from like $2,600 to $69,000 that no one out who's going to bid. Right. So they dropped it down to the next highest bidder and um, you know, he ended up with it. And from that moment, I was just like, I can't go forward with this until I really understand it. So I actually just stopped it altogether. So yeah. (laughs) So that was my, my, 
my intro and exit initially to NFTs. It reminds so, me of that time the guy was like, I'll also give you $250 for your thing. And you're like, no, this is a scam. And now this big auction, you're like, no, no, this is a scam. This this is <laughs> this is not supposed to work like this. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, my background, if I ever wanted art, it was something I would buy at Walmart for like, you know, like a $5 poster. <laughs> so it never really made, I've never bought art. I never really had disposable income to just buy art, you know, so... I didn't understand the art market and I didn't know anything about it. Everything seemed really weird to me that I would get paid to draw while I'm in my, my grad lecture. So yeah, it's been a strange ride for sure. Yeah. As Faye would have it, you know, it, it would end up paying off all my student loans before I graduated. And so I, you know, I just, it's just a really weird Avenue to go down when you're, when you were never mentally set to do that. And, it's been awesome. I love it. You know, like I wish I knew about it sooner, but it is what it is. And, you know, I love it. That's, it's crazy. What inspires you now to create? So I don't know. I get inspired by the dumbest things. Like you say a a pun that makes me laugh. And, you know, someone said, um, hey man, you should do like a single drawing of Marilyn Monroe. And then someone said, or monoline Monroe. And I'm like, dude, that's a great (laughs) idea. You know, so like, like, let's do it. So, you know, I did one of those. And sometimes I, I look at stuff and I think, how could I translate that into like a one-line drawing? Or how could I draw something like that? And so kind of close myself off to taking a lot of commissions. I don't take as much commissions anymore because I felt, you know, that does kind of like tie you down and you got to kind of meet an expectation. I just draw whatever, you know, like, I wonder what the sunset would look like if I interpret it like this with, you know, these rules. So, I think rule sets inspire me, Yeah, to be honest. But I'm more about when I draw, most of the time I'm not really drawing for an end product. I'm really just drawing because I like the process. It's it's the procedure that I like, right? I mean, I got into art literally because I was trying to find a way to concentrate better and not think so hard. And so over time, you build up this, you know, you just build your skill set, I guess, when you do the same thing over and over and you get comfortable. But yeah, I think process inspires me. Yeah. Yeah. There is something about just having the constraints and then doing it over and over again. And it just kind of happens. Yeah. I mean, the constraints are important. They were for me because I said, you know, I'm going to follow these rules. I'm just going to draw a line on top of another line and that's what I did for like two weeks, right? And I realized just comparing my very first drawing, which I kept that, uh, you know, comparing my first drawing to what I did a week later, I was surprised at how much better my hand, my my consistency mm. got. And, you know, it, and it wasn't like I was trained to do that. It just happened over time. And I found that a lot of people, if they just kind of like follow some of those rules that, you know, I followed, back when I was in grad school, like that, the same thing happens to them. Like within four drawings, their line consistency is so much better just because they're doing this repetitive, you know. Pattern. Yeah. There is something about, yeah. Somebody, lots of creatives always say you can't have creativity without constraints to be too free. You you just don't do anything. And then with the practice yeah. is just that and compare and contrast and you just see what the difference is and keep moving forward. I love that. All right. So moving on, you've been named Reddit's most upvoted artist. 
And Reddit just did this new thing with their Snoo avatar, where they, you can have your own custom NFT. And you were one of the artists selected to make some of these Snoo crypto avatars. How was that? How did that feel right. just being selected for this? Well, you know, when I started getting into NFTs, I was just thinking, how come Reddit doesn't do anything yeah. in Web3? You know, and so I Googled job opportunities with Reddit, like for Web3, and I saw they had positions that they were hiring for. So I knew that they were kind of going in that direction, but I didn't know what their plan was. I knew that they were kind of into NFTs or they were into the crypto side or the blockchain side, I should say, on some of their subreddits. I got a message from someone, you know, saying, hey, I'm from Reddit, and it was through a Reddit DM. They're like, hey, would you be interested in doing like some an art project with me or with us and they didn't really tell me too much but i i kind of had a feeling like oh this is a web3 thing and so i was thinking sweet i'm gonna sell my art as an nft through reddit and that's super wild i'm, I'm excited um it ended up being draw our avatar you know or draw an avatar which really threw me for a loop but what can i say I mean, that's awesome to be able to to be in the ground you know running with reddit they're a huge company and, you know, seeing what they're going to do or what they may or may not bring to the table. Now, it does feel like a full circle moment as you posting your doodles on Reddit and then them reaching out to you to say, please doodle our it, avatar. Yeah, it was, it did feel, it did feel really awesome. But I mean, like it's, it's been a real one-sided relationship because I, you know, I feel like I've always, I've always benefited from Reddit. I mean, it was people on different communities that were like excited about my art that kind of pushed me to draw more than like one Reddit user was like, I asked on like a pin subreddit, Hey, what are some other good pins? I'm trying to do this. And then some random Redditor sent me like a box full of like, I don't know, like four or 500 pins that I could, you know, different pins. So then I got to like mess around. So like, you know, a lot of people from Reddit kind of pushed me in this direction. And so yeah. Then for Red to reach out and have me offer an opportunity like that, it just feels one-sided. So luckily I'm on the right side there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like the community aspect's been a big part of your journey. And that's a big part of the Web3 ethos as well. For sure. What's your thoughts on Web2 yeah. versus Web3? Yeah. I think you nailed it with community. I mean, there's there's a lot more connection a lot more like reaching out people are a lot less afraid to talk to each other and have conversations and that's why i think that reddit's a good platform to kind of go that direction because everything's centered around discussion and you know talking and meeting with people so i think that that's i think that just being able to connect with people that's what web3 really brings to the table mm. yeah yeah and the buzzword is community but is that camaraderie that pulling together cooperation that I think really kind of does set it sure. apart. At least we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, that's why I believe. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't ever claim to, but I, I feel like we're headed in a great direction. I, cross but our fingers. I'm, I'm a, I'm always cautiously optimistic, right? I always assume that's a scam. No one's going to pay this much, you know, or, and, and then I, I, I like to be proved wrong. So, but I feel like, 
cautiously optimistic is a safe way to enter into anything. Okay. So that's kind of how I do it. Last question. Just on that, on your cautiously optimistic. If you had a crystal ball and could see into the future, what do you think down the road will be more valuable, physical pieces or digital pieces? Because you work in the physical space a lot and get paid a lot in making commissions that way. Yeah. There's been a bunch of stuff with NFTs and new artists are coming into the space. Everyone's testing out this theory. So what's what's your take on that? You know, there's always going to be a place, I think, for physical art. I don't know which one's going to win. My gut tells me that we're all reeling off the excitement of NFTs and you know people feel like everything's moving in that direction. I don't think that it has to take one side or the other, but I have a hard time you know, thinking that one's going to really overtake the other. I think that NFTs have done really well, but I think that if I could see into the future, my best estimate is that people will begin to realize there's utility of having physical art and Mm. digital art. And I think that they'll both coexist because there are things that I can accomplish with physical art that there's just no way you can experience it digitally. Even if you're in virtual reality, um, you just can't, experience certain things like certain types of reflection or texture. And there's things that you can do with NFTs that I can't accomplish with physical art. So I think there's a place for both, but I don't know which one's going to win out. But my gut tells me it's going to be like 55, 45 and leaning on the side of physical art. Okay. So it's interesting (laughs) you say that. So the artist, Damien Hurst, do you know this story? With the, his currency drop. So what he did was he made 10,000 NFTs and there were all these little dots. And he made it over a year ago. And what happens is you could burn the NFT to get the physical. There's a physical piece. It's about the size of a postcard. Or you keep the NFT. And in one year, he's going to burn all of the actual physical ones in like a giant pyre. Well, the year is officially up. And he tweeted this, I think, eight hours ago. The final numbers are 5,149 physicals and 4,851 NFTs. So I think your numbers were spot on there. It's like that 55-45 in the moment. (laughs) And I... And he's a he's a big, well-known, fine, modern, contemporary artist. And so everyone's thinking like, where will the store of value be in the long term? Is it going to be in the digital or is it in his physical? Because his physical works go for lots and lots of money. So everyone's yeah. having this internal debate. And I was just interested to see your, your point. And you hit it spot on. Well, I think, I think that's where it's going to be. But from my perspective, I, I really like tooling with the idea of like, why, why couldn't there yeah. be value in both? Why burn one when you could have someone have both? So like, for example... I will put things out for auction. If it reaches a certain amount, then I will send the physical piece with the digital piece. And why why can't they both be assets, right? So I think that there's a lot to explore. And I think that's what's really exciting about it. Yeah, this space is so new. Everything is an experiment at this point in time. You're, how are your auctions doing on Stacks or with other blockchains? So I suck at Discord and marketing. When I put an auction on Stacks, I've been pretty fortunate to where someone will start the transaction and start the like countdown. Usually, you know, once someone gets the initial bid, it will go for however many hours. And so I've been doing pretty well there. I I think we've done like seven auctions and they all get kicked off pretty quickly. I think that if I 
were better at realizing when auction was actually live, then I could probably amplify that. But right now I'm just still like learning about how it all works and how do I want to market that? Because we're dealing with so many different markets. Like on Twitter, it's a web three market. Instagram's a hundred percent opposite right now. Uh, Reddit's kind of like, you know, 75% opposition, 25% acceptance, but it's all coming in. I mean, it's all, yeah. It's all forming correctly. So I think that in the next year or so, the sentiment's going to be a whole lot different than it is right now. Yeah. Just like a year ago, the sentiment about NFTs was a lot different than it is right now. Sure. But now we're in a down market. Yeah. So that makes sense to me. So I, I don't even lose sleep over that. In fact, I think this is like the best time. Really, if you want to like get into NFTs, this is the best time because you can see all the projects that are here when <laughs> it's not fun to be right. here. <laughs> right. I mean, it wasn't like that initial moment. So I think those are the people that yeah. will be around. So that's why I'm excited about it. I'm I think you're primed. You're here at a great time and getting your feet wet and figuring this out and experimenting. And I, I wish you the best of luck and I'll be watching those auctions. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, Thanks for uh, giving me the time and asking me some questions. It's been pretty fun. Shift into Web3. Sure. Hopefully next time it will be better than pretty fun. Well, hopefully it will be like lots of fun. <laughs> no, I'm, I, yeah, it was, it was good. I, I get nervous on camera. I don't, I don't like seeing myself talk and I can see myself talk. And it's just <laughs> nothing, yeah. You know, something funny too. I had seen your icon on Discord. It looked like a bot to me. Yeah. I don't know. But I, I thought... That's a scam. That That's not a real account. <laughs> so for the longest time, I didn't even realize. I'm like, oh. And then I, I think I saw you on Twitter. And I was like, wait. Oh, that's a real person. You know? Okay. I thought you were, you know. See, that's what I'm saying. I'm cautiously optimistic. But I'm just, you got to be careful with Web3. That's, that's the one thing that's been really a big lesson. I've almost been washed over a couple of times Ooh. on some stupid things on my part. But that's okay. It's yeah, the space is, is still growing and it is still as a wild west. You could get taken at any moment if you click the wrong link. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what makes it exciting. Yeah. Everything <laughs> is so new here and I'm I don't know. It's exciting to be here and just hanging out and thanks for taking the time to hang out with us and talk art. I love it. Yeah, man. Anytime. Let's do it again. For sure. Time. And uh if anybody listening, all the links to all of Tyler's stuff will be in the description. Go check it out. Go make some bids. This is not financial advice. This is just we're here to give you good art. That's what this is for. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Airdrop. If you liked what you heard, please, please, please rate and review the show and post on Twitter that you listen to this episode and make sure to tag us at Airdrop Show. Remember that, at, at Airdrop Show. Hearing from our community is awesome and we love retweeting your stuff. So thanks for dropping in. And remember, serious art is born from serious play. So don't forget to have fun. Yeah.